Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finchley. Well, turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We've been in it for, this is the fifth week. One more week, maybe. Until uh, God quits showing me things anyway. Have you ever been misunderstood or misrepresented? Just me. You may have been quoted correctly, but because they didn't know you, they totally misrepresented or misunderstood what you're saying or doing. So think about that. I think that's probably the way we treat God a lot. Because we don't really know Him the way we should. We often take what He says and takes what uh, others say and we misrepresent and misquote Him oftentimes. We can have a theology that totally misrepresents God as He actually is. And so one of the things that I've kept in my heart, that God, I want to know You. I don't want to know about You. I don't want to know just what other people say. I don't even want to know what I am and think. I want to know You. I want You to reveal Yourself to me, no matter what it takes for me to learn it. And I've discovered that when I've stayed that way, God has continued to unfold and to reveal Himself in different ways than I considered before. And what I get in this Luke chapter 15, we're in a series called Lost and Found, a very familiar passage, one of the favorite passages in Scripture. In Luke 15, where Jesus tells a parable that has three stories. Look at verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him, Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees and scribes were convinced that Jesus couldn't be from God because God doesn't have anything to do with those kind of people. Have you noticed how easy it is in our day to take sides? You know, it's us or them. It's right or wrong. It's left or right. It's in or out. I'm discovering that you can be so involved in the issues of us and them, you miss Him. There's really only one who can show us what God the Father is really like. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, Jesus said this, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Now listen to this. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. I love the message ending of verse 27. Here's Jesus saying, But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Jesus is the only one who really knows the Father, and He's willing to go line by line to anyone who's willing to listen. These tax collectors and sinners, common people, were willing, gathering near to Jesus, willingly to listen to Him. And Jesus is revealing the Father in answer to the opposition. And that's what He's doing. Revealing the Father. What this whole series has been about is recovering the heart of the Father as He is, not sometimes as we perceive Him to be. 
He tells a parable that contains three stories. And I'm not going to read through them all again. We'll, we'll use them in ways. But three stories, but with the same elements. Something is lost. It's searched for. It's found. And then it's celebrated. We've talked for over the last few weeks about being lost, about the intentional search, about finding it, about the elder brother, all of those things. We've kind of looked at that. But there's something that's mentioned in this parable that we usually don't focus on. It's the rejoicing. It's the celebration. The recurrent theme in all three stories is the joy of the Lord. I want you to look at it with me. Luke chapter 15, verse 5. This is at the end of the story of the lost sheep where he leaves the 99. And verse 5 says, And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders. Look at the word, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls his, together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And then Jesus says this, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Now look at verse 9. This is after the woman had found the coin that she had lost, the one out of the ten. And when she had found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, Jesus says, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now go all the way down to the bottom of verse 32. And the father is talking to his elder son. He says, but we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. While the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling, Jesus was indicating that the father was rejoicing. That's the key element of this parable. The rejoicing, the joy, the celebration, the feasting. You see, Jesus is indicating that the Father was way different than what the Pharisees and scribes were saying. Let's be honest. Can you be honest? When you think of God, when you picture God, however you picture God, is He rejoicing or is he just a little ticked off? Here's the, when you, however you picture God, when you see God in your mind, as you pray, whatever you, is he smiling or is there a frown? Is he joyful or disappointed? You see, the reason I'm saying that is how you think about God will affect how you relate to him. If you see him as disappointed, you'll avoid him because of your own shame and insecurity. If you think he's too busy to bother with your little details, then you're not going to want to bother him and you're going to leave him alone. If you think he's angry, you're going to stay away because you fear of the consequences. But what would happen in your life or in my life if we really knew, truly knew, that God is profoundly filled and overflowing with joy? Joy. I, as, as, as I've been studying this, this is the part that I'll be honest with you that I need revelation on. 
Because most of my life, I've been brought up in a, in a way, and I've lived in a way that felt like that God just kind of had to put up with me. I, had a, I have a problem seeing God as being tickled to death to have me, because I know me. But here's the point. Jesus is the one who knows the Father, and He's revealing Him. You see, usually when we think of God, we think of His attributes. His, he's being holy. He's unchanging. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. We sometimes think of His love and His compassion and mercy and wrath. Usually wrath. But we do. But do we think of Him being filled and overflowing with joy? Joy didn't originate with us. A good time didn't originate with man. A good time originated with God. A third of the kingdom, Paul says, is joy. Look at Romans fourteen seventeen. It's going to be on the screen. He says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not performance, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Chapter 15, verse 13, this is what Paul says. Now, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy. Folks, listen to me. This, I hope more than anything, when you walk away, you have a revelation that God's happy this morning. God is extremely happy. We, we serve a partying God. I want to prove it to you from Scripture. There's two words that's used in this parable for joy. They're used over six times. There, it's for joy, rejoicing, and celebration. The first is Cairo. It means to be glad, to be joyful, to be delighted. And it's always used in this passage in the present tense. In other words, there is this constant, continual state of happiness and well-being. And then the other is euphrania. We get our, our word euphoria. From it. it means to be glad, to be joyful, to celebrate, or to be jubilant. And I really like this last one, to feast in joy. How many of you like to feast in joy? Connie and I's favorite pastimes, eating out. And when you're really happy, how many of you overeat? Just, just me. Yeah, me too. I, I understand that. Jesus is using the shepherd, the woman, and this father's relationship with his two sons to reveal to us an incredible truth about God. The story is about who God is and what he's actually like. It's about the way God thinks, how he thinks. It's about the way God acts toward us. It's about the father's heart and his joy toward us. This was so far from what the Pharisees and the scribes thought. In fact, according to William Barclay in his commentary, many of the religious people of Jesus' day believed differently and even had this saying, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. Another uh, Jewish saying, ancient Jewish saying that I found, he says, there is joy before God when those who provoke him perish from the world. In other words, the Pharisees and the scribes had a problem with Jesus hanging around those folks because of this. Because in their mind, God got great joy out of correcting and destroying sinners. I want you to know that goes against their own scripture that they wanted to uphold. 
In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, the Ezekiel, the prophet, is saying, Thus saith the Lord, he says in verse 11, Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? God has no pleasure. There is no joy in God for the wicked to perish. None. So Jesus tells this story to tell us what the Father's like. In verse 20 of Luke 15, I'm going to read it from the message. It's going to be on the screen. Because just the different, different language. He says that this younger brother that had gone and squandered it all, he got right up and he went home to his father. And when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding. He ran out, embraced, and kissed him. Then the son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. I love that. The father wasn't listening. Why wasn't he listening? Because he was planning a party. He was calling to the servants. Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get the grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. We're going to party. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. God knows how to throw a party. Listen, Jesus, who knows the Father, is painting a picture of God standing on the balcony of heaven Watching, searching for the horizon for the least inkling of a shadow of a son's return. And once he sees him, this son, Jesus has the father running and bouncing and embracing and commanding a great party to be thrown on his behalf. He's absolutely thrilled to see him. To receive him. To restore him. The only picture I can get in be for modern day times is we live close to Fort Hood and, and these, uh, you see it on TV a lot these days about uh, a father or a mother returning from overseas to a family and they want to surprise them. You know how it is to see when that young child or that wife or that husband sees that happening and they run and embrace and they fall in each other's arms. So thrilled to be a part of that. Only turn that around. That being God running to surprise those who were never expecting to be received that way. Enjoy. Thrilled. I love that. He wasn't listening because he was planning a party. Quick. Get the robe, get the ring, get the sandals. We've been got that heifer over there, kill it. Let's see, we're going to have a party. This son is back alive. That's what the father's like. Now here's, I want you to hear me. This son has a father that doesn't love him for what he does. He has a father that didn't stop, didn't stop loving him for what he had done. He didn't stop loving him when he rebelled. He didn't stop loving him when he failed. His father is his father no matter what. He has an inheritance 
He can't squander. You remember, he's the one that asked for his inheritance first, and he went out and he wasted it all. When he comes home, he discovers that he has an inheritance you can't spend. He has an inheritance that you can't squander, you can't give away. It's the sameness of the Father. It's the love of the Father. It's the joy of the Father. He always had it, but he didn't know it. Not until he got back. Here's what I want you to understand. The Father doesn't change. He doesn't change whether it's not about what you have done or what you haven't done. It's about who He is. He remains a son because His Father hasn't changed. He's loved, He's received, He's restored. A party starts because it's the Father's party. He shares His thrill with everyone else. The Father is the excited one. And we're invited to join the party. Well, what was it that so got the Father excited? What was it that Jesus in the story is telling that said that would there be more joy, there'd be rejoicing over this? What was the thing that got the Father dancing? Look at verse 7. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now you do know there's no just persons, right? Scripture says there's none good, none doeth good, no not one. There's none righteous, no not one. Jesus is saying this to the Pharisees and scribes who saw themselves as right. Jesus is saying, guys, I don't know if you get it or not, but God's happier with the one who repents than the one who thinks he doesn't have to. He's overjoyed with repentance. Look at verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So what gets God excited is repentance. But most of us, we really don't even understand repentance. You see, most of us think repentance is, I've I've been going this way and, and it's not working out. And so I'm going to turn and I'm going to go back to God. And I'm going to go and I'm going to return and I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to try to do it different this time. I'm going to, I'm going to make another promise. I'm going to make another commitment. I'm going to rededicate my life. That we think that's repentance. The word repent here is metaneo. Metaneo. It literally means to think again, to have another mind, to change your mind, to to change the way you think. In other words, repentance can be a change of direction. But folks, before you change direction, it's going to have to be a change of the way you think. The way you think about sin, the way you think about yourself, and the way you think about God. Most of us think that repentance is just turning over a new leaf. Folks, listen. Repentance is changing how you think about you, sin, and God. Let me show it to you in this story that Jesus tells. Verse 17, 15. It says, and when he came to himself. What it says is, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to, and a, to spare, and I perish with hunger? Here we find this boy, he swandered it all. He has, he's coming to a change of the way of thinking about what he had done. He's coming to a change of way of thinking about where he was. He's coming to a change of way he thought about sin and righteousness. And he's coming to change the way he thought about the father. Notice this, he says, And my father has many hired servants, and he gives to them more than enough. 
In other words, he has this revelation of his father as being good and generous. And then verse 18, it says, I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He still doesn't know the father, but here's the thing. He's, he's, he, repent. Here's how little it takes to get God happy. Just get it. Get where you are. Get what's going on, and get that the only one that can take care of you is the father. And as soon as he arose and headed back, he had already started his religious activity. His religious activity says, this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. And Father, if you'll just do what I'm going to say, I'll show you how I can prove myself to you again. But that's why I love that part says the Father wasn't even listening. Because repentance wasn't about the father getting the son's plan. Repentance was about the son getting the father's purpose. Repentance was getting to come back to know the father as he was. Not as he had been perceived to be. What's the father? He's joy filled. He repents. He goes back. God is thrilled. God is thrilled when we come to see our need, change our mind about ourselves and Him, and return to a Father who's never changed His mind about us. Folks, listen to me. As soon as God saw, as soon as the Father saw the Son coming, He was running. The Son had a plan. The Father had a purpose. The Son had a plan. To pay the father off. The father had a plan to restore the son. Whose plan do you want? You want to try to pay God off? Or do you want God to restore you back to what he already knows you are to be? Here they are. I don't know about you, but if I saw my father running at me, and I'd been wrong... How many of you would have ducked? Both arms coming at you. I think the thing that would have made him know that there was something else is the smile on his face. The tears running down his cheeks. And his joy to see his son. Folks, listen to me. I think sometimes we miss his smile and we miss his tears because we think we've got to pay. Somebody's already paid. Well, there's another son who wouldn't join the party. Why? He didn't need it. He was right and they were wrong. There's no joy here. Don't miss what the father said to this. And this is the thing that got me. Don't miss what the father said to the elder brother. Verse 32. But we had to celebrate. The the King James says it was meet, it was proper, it was right for us to make merry, to celebrate and rejoice. We had to. The Father saying, we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. The Father is saying, we had no choice. Because of who I am. I'm a father, and I rejoice over lost sons who return. Joy is the only possibility. Not to rejoice would be to deny who I am. Here's what the father's saying. Son, we're not canceling the party because I can't. 
I can't because that's who I am. I'm not canceling the party. I got good news for you this morning. God's not canceling the party for you. No matter what you've been in, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've come out of, God's not canceling the party. All He was waiting for was for you to get it. He was the Father and He's never changed. Welcome home. The elder brother, the one who couldn't get it, he missed the party. Now think about that. God is celebrating and enjoying And he goes out to the elder brother, and the elder brother is pouting. Now, let me ask you a question. How many times have you pouted when somebody else got blessed and you got left out? Don't miss the party. Jesus is telling us that the God the Father rejoices over every soul that repents. Now, here's what repentance is. Repentance is coming to see for yourself the foolishness of sin, the righteousness of God, and the availability of His forgiveness and peace. Repentance is a change the way you think. Get it. Get it. But what's it saying to us? I told you one week, you know, we identify with somebody in the story. We always do. If you identify with the younger son, so let me, let me just say it this way. Do you think that your sin, your failure, your rebellion has just gone too far this time? You know, you think God could have forgiven you the first 490 times. But this time... He's tired of it. This time. Do you think that uh, it's too late? Ask yourself this question. Is it possible that this father in the parable is God and he thinks about me the way he thought about this son? Could it be that given all I've done or haven't done... That God is moved with compassion for me and is running to embrace me in sheer joy today. Could it be that God's been looking for me to turn to change my way of thinking and He's already headed my way? He's not going to wait till I die. He's not going to wait till I straighten my act up. He's headed my way overjoyed. Because he sees I'm getting... You see, I don't think that the father... I don't. The, the, the younger son didn't get it. He didn't get it all. He wanted to turn it back into a religious action. But the father got it that he was turning. He was already joyful before the son ever got back to him. In other words, the son didn't have to come. He, he wasn't listening to his confession. He was planning a party. Is it possible that Jesus has made a way for you to be forgiven, cleansed, restored, and renewed in your relationship with God 70 times 7? Can you believe that He's excited to have you? You say, well, I want to, but I can't. Then here's my word to you. Repent. Change the way you think. You're thinking about a God that doesn't exist. 
the God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ has already made the way. And he's saying, come home. Repent. Change the way you think. Maybe you're here and you identify a little more that with the elder brother who thinks that, you know, you've done everything you could to the best of your ability and maybe you're the one that's always being left out. God seems to be doing it for everybody but you. You've gone to church. You've done your due. you paid your tithes. You think that being good and righteous and all religious has gained you some points with God? You think that God owes you? That somehow you've confessed enough, you've professed enough, you've witnessed enough, you've done enough that God ought to come through. You think your relationship with God depends upon your religious performance? i got a word for you. Repent. God never loved you because of what you did. He never loved you because of what you hadn't done. He loves you because He's the Father. You're His. Repent. Put down the ledger. Put down the list. And come to get to know the Father the way He really is. Join the party. The Father loves to throw parties for sinners. There's two kinds of sinners. There's one, the sinner who knows it, and there's a sinner who doesn't know it. Both are sinners. Both have a father that just can't wait to throw a party. I got an idea that the party would have doubled had the elder son went in. But he didn't. We don't know. Jesus doesn't answer. You see, here's the thing I think Jesus is saying. By very telling the story, he's giving you the invitation to join the party. This is what the father's like. This is who he is. This is how he thinks about you. Join the party. You, but preacher, you don't know. Yeah, I know I don't know. The Father loves you. Join the party. He's running to you this morning. He's coming to you this morning. He's not, he's not even going to let you get outside the door. He's going to catch you by the shirt tail, turn you around and hug your neck. That's how he is. He's going to chase you down. Fall on your neck with kisses. And you're going to want to confess all these things. And he's saying, get the robe. Get the ring. Get the shoes. Kill the calf. Let's party. Join the party this morning. Join the party. He can't wait to command the angels to prepare the feast. For you. Step back into who God is. If you don't think He's that way, take it up with Jesus. He's the only one that knew the Father. And He's telling you and me, that's what He's like. Repent. Change the way you think. And let yourself be restored and reconciled to the relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Would you bow with me in prayer? Can you imagine the joy that God 
is getting this morning when he's saying they're getting it. When we realize that the way's been made, the price has been paid, the restoration, the relationship, the adoption. Redemption is no afterthought with God. It's His delight to save. God didn't find Himself in a fix and have to rush off somewhere and figure out a way to straighten things out. Before the foundation of the world, it was God's pleasure to make the way for mankind to be redeemed. It wasn't something God had to do. It was something He delighted in doing. Will you receive it? I want you to look up the screen. Ephesians 1, 3 through 10 in the message. It says, How blessed is God and what a blessing He is. He's the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ, and He takes us to the high places of blessings in Him. Long before He laid down earth's foundations, He had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of His love, and He made the whole he made to be made whole and holy by His love. Long, long ago, He decided to adopt us into His family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure He took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of His lavish gift-giving by the hand of His beloved Son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, His blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people, free from penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans He took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in Him, Jesus, everything in deepest heaven and everything on planet earth. Join the party. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.